Hallelujah. Um, this morning, I want to share a word of God um, briefly with us. Um, and I have titled my message um, this morning that Jesus, the Lord of all. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Lord of all. And um, the scripture is going to be coming um, to us from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verse 11 to 17. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 17. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, Soon after, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with him. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. Verse 17, And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside hallelujah this is the word of god unto us um this morning and um for the scripture that we have read you find out that something is taking place over there and that is what you know as i was um meditating on the word of god you know trusting god for a word um this was what came um forth and I want to share this morning. Um, but before I get into the word, there are some things that as believers or as children of God, um, we need to understand and we need to realize. And one of the things that as believers we have to understand or as children of God, we have to understand is that in this kingdom that we are in, in the kingdom of God, knowledge and revelation is very vital and important to your success as a believer knowledge and when i talk about knowledge what kind of knowledge knowledge of god and his word amen and the revealed word of god unto you whatever he has revealed unto you is very important to your success as a believer and when you have knowledge and revelation um, in the kingdom, when, whether it comes by reading the word of God and the spirit of God expounding it unto you, or it comes by rhema, you know, the, um, the Lord himself, uh, I'm giving you a word. What happens is that, number one, you are able to serve God better. When there is knowledge and when there is revelation, you are able to serve God better. Number two, you are able to align yourself well so that you can fully enjoy the benefits that God has to offer. 
Whenever there is knowledge, whenever there is revelation, whenever there is understanding, understanding of the word of God, what happens is that you are able to align yourself. You are able to position yourself rightly so that you can receive the benefits that God has to offer. And the third thing that I put down is that when you know, amen, and when it has been revealed to you, what happens is that you are able to avoid unnecessary stress and challenges in life, amen. See, there are some challenges and there are some stress in life that you can avoid when you know the word of God. There are some stresses and challenges in life you can avoid when you know God. Amen. But when there is no knowledge, when there is no understanding of a particular situation, sometimes you find yourself stressing all the time. You find yourself confused all the time. You find yourself, you know, doing things or um, being a, pl a places you have no um, business being because there is a lack of knowledge. And that is why we also know the scripture so much. If you ask Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, I think everybody here can quote it. Amen. When God was saying that my people are what? Destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, and, and um, the scripture that I read, we started from the verse 11. But whenever you have time today and you go back, try and read from the first chapter all the way to the end of the scripture. And you will find out that in the beginning, the Bible says that there was a Roman centurion or there was a Roman officer whose um, um, slave was very sick to the point of death. And he sent people to go and beg Jesus to come so that he can come and heal um, the servant. Why? Because he had heard about him. And he had some information about Jesus or he had had revelation about Jesus that other people didn't know. And the Bible said he sent them and they went and told Jesus. And they said, Jesus, listen, there is this particular man. He's not a Jew, but this man has been such a blessing to the Jewish community. And, and why would a non-Jew um, 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 bless the Jewish community so much to the point that when you read it, it tells them that he built a synagogue for them. You know, and the Bible said that when they, they told him, um, um, the people told Jesus this, uh, he did, Jesus Christ did not hesitate at all, but he just left and he, he decided to go. And whilst he was close to the man's house, this same man sent word and to tell them, to tell Jesus that um, a master or Jesus, uh, you know, I, I am not even worthy with all the, the, the honor and, and, and the majesty that you have, the revelation that I have, I have about you. I am not even worthy for you to come into my house because I understand your position that you are a man of authority just as i am also a man of authority so just speak the word and the bible said jesus christ made a statement he said that i have not seen such great faith 
and 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 Jesus Christ spoke and said, "By reason of your faith, be it unto you." And the Bible said that at that same hour, the servant was healed. Amen. Why was that man able to get a solution to the problem that he had and that challenge that he was dealing with at that time was that his servant was sick. He was able to get solution because he had knowledge. Amen. Because he had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And this morning, I want us to understand that, and, and I am talking about Jesus. A lot of us know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our personal Savior, that he came to the world. He was born by um, 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 an angel came to Mary. Mary was chosen. His mother, his earthly mother was chosen. The angel came to um, Mary, told him that he was going to be endued with power. The Spirit of God was going to come upon her. She would have a baby and he would grow up. He would save people from their sin. And that was what he did. He came, he died, um, he lived a life. He went to the cross to die. And we know him as our Savior. But see, one of the things that we are not taking advantage of as believers is Jesus Christ as our Lord. Jesus Christ as our Lord. Hallelujah. And in the beginning of the passage that we read, um, the Bible said that um, Jesus Christ and his disciples, after um, um, he had dealt with the situation with the Roman centurion, he told his disciples that let us go to another town or let us go to another village. And the Bible says that his disciples and a lot of people were with him because you know that every time Jesus Christ was going anywhere, there would be a crowd, amen, because of what he was capable because of what people knew he could do. So Jesus Christ tells his disciples that let us go to a town called Nain. Um, and whilst they are going, the Bible says that they begin their journey to go to this village called Nain. And he is not by himself. He is with his disciples. He is with a large crowd of people. And whilst they are going, the Bible says that as soon as they are about to enter into the city gate, they are met with a situation. Hallelujah. And the situation that they are met with is that there was a funeral procession that was going on. Now imagine Jesus Christ um, with his disciples knowing who he was. People were excited to be around him. Amen. Uh, people were excited to walk with him. Uh, his disciples were excited because they knew, as the Bible says, uh, that everywhere Jesus Christ went, he was doing good. Amen. Uh, so by reason of them walking with him, there was a sense of jubilation going on. Uh, there was a sense of happiness going on. Why? Because they knew that wherever he was going to go up, something good was going to happen. So they are on their way to go to um, the village of Nain. And the Bible says that as they approach the city gate, what happens is that there is a funeral procession that was going on. They are met with a funeral procession. And one of the things that you have to realize is that Jesus Christ didn't do things anyhow. Amen. He didn't just get up and go to places. He was very, very strategic about everything that he did. Um, case in point, in the book of John chapter 4, when um, um, he goes um, and meets um, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus Christ knew that that day that woman had to give her life. 
life. Amen. Uh, he knew that there was an evangelist in that woman. He knew that he, um, 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 he had to preach the word of God to that lady. And the Bible said that he had to go through Samaria. And when they got there, and by reason of knowing the kind of people that he was walking, and he was working with her, he tells them to go and buy food. He strategically tells them because he knew these people and these men are very judgmental. So, so that he can strategically talk to the woman, begin to talk to the woman, the Bible says that he tells them to go and buy food. And then eventually, because he knew that that woman would come and draw water, hallelujah. So that was how strategic Jesus Christ was. So when he told his disciples that they were going to go to Nain, it wasn't just um, let us get up and go. He knew that something was going to happen. Something was going to take place that he had to change the situation. And, and, and when you look at the, I was doing a little bit of research um, when you um, research about the village um, of Nain, um, it tells us that Nain was a very small village in Galilee. And the meaning of Nain means beauty or pleasantness. Nain means beauty or pleasantness. In the Hebrew, Nain means green pastures or loveliness. And, and looking at the situation, here, or I'm trying to paint a picture for you to see. Here is a man, Jesus Christ, going to a city that is called beauty. Going to a city that is called lovely. Going to a city that is supposed to be called greener pastures. Going to a city that is supposed to be called loveliness. And they are met with a situation that wasn't beautiful. They are met with a situation that was not lovely. They are met with a situation that had nothing green about it. Why? Because there was a funeral procession going on, meaning that somebody was dead. And, and so you find out that, that there is a contrast going on somewhere. How can you be going to a place called beautiful, yet you are met with an ugly situation? How can you be going to a place called green, yet you are made, if I should say, quote-unquote, a dry situation? How can you be going to a place that is supposed to oud pleasantness and, 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 and something nice and beautiful, but yet you are met with a situation that has nothing to show forth concerning the, um, the place that you are going? And that was what the Spirit of God was ministering to me, that some of us, as the year may be coming to a closer, there were promises that God might have told you. Uh, there were things that men of God might have reviewed and showed to you about uh, that you had such high hopes uh, for 2021 uh, and your life right now may not be looking at all like what um, Jesus Christ had told you before right now you may be in an ugly situation uh, maybe you heard in January 21 uh, or December 31st um, um, 2020 that your 2021 is going to be your year that you are going to get married uh, that this is going to happen to you you are going to have a new job you are going to have a car but right now you are looking at your life and there is nothing beautiful to show up. I am here to let you know that Jesus is in the house today. The one that is able to change the situation is here today. That situation may be ugly. That situation may be drier. But the beautifier in Jesus is here today to change the situation for you.
The Bible said he tells them to go to Nain, a place called beautiful, a place called lovely, but they are met with an ugly situation, and it does not stop there. It does not stop there. The Bible says that um, whilst he meets the funeral procession at the city gate, what happens is that he comes into contact with a young man that is dead. And he goes on to explain that not only was the young man dead, um, but he was the son of a widow. Hallelujah. And somebody will say such a double whammy situation. Not only was the young man dead, but the young man belonged to a widow. And, 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 and if you know who a widow is, uh, a widow is somebody who has lost, a woman that has lost her husband. And in the culture that they were at that time, uh, it was a male-dominated culture. So women, most of the time, um, women stayed home while the men were the breadwinners. Uh, they were the ones that went out to go and make money. They were the ones that took care of the family. They were the providers, amen. Uh, they were the protectors of the family. Uh, they were the ones that people, everybody in the family depended on them. Uh, and, and this is a woman that had lost her husband so you look at her situation the first thing that she had she, she might have the Bible doesn't tell us specifically you know her background or who she was but I believe that this was a woman that coming up in life she had high hopes amen she had high hopes that she was married amen she had a child maybe she had a job life was going for her amen at least you could see the future and say that maybe 10 years from now five years from now with the help of my husband with my children growing up this is where i'm going to be in life somebody with high hopes and then as you are going through life what happens is that tragedy strikes and she loses her husband so as a woman in that situation, losing your husband meant that you had lost your financial security. How were you going to make ends meet? You know, because most of the time, if you are home taking care of the husband, or in, in this day and age, uh, if you are home taking care of the husband, you don't go to school, you don't have no uh, educational background. So if your husband passes away what happens is that now you have to start from scratch not only had uh, um, her um, sense of financial security gone but what happened also is that if you were married uh, as a married woman what happens is that you were able to gain status in society you know, because of your husband, maybe the position that her husband occupied in the society, you know, you are able to rub shoulders with the who and who in the community. You know, if they are doing big parties, you can go. Because your husband um, um, occupies a higher position in society. So now your husband is dead. Your sense of financial security is gone. Now your status in, 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 in um, um, your status in the situation uh, the situation of the community is no more. You know, so already your your sense of hope in life has dwindled a little bit 
Because the person that was there to take care of you is not there anymore. And now as a woman, it, and it doesn't, uh, um, it tells us that, you know, with all that she had gone through, she had experienced loss. She had experienced grief. And now look at what had happened to her again. Now she loses her only son. You know, if that were you, 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 you know, sometimes things happen to people in life that you feel like you might as well just kill yourself and die. Because there is no sense of hope for you anymore. Your husband is dead. The one that was providing for you is no more. And your son, and, and what had happened was in the situations that the, the husband was dead. And if you had a male child, that was the one that now was the one that was supposed to go out and work and bring money in. Go out and work and try and take care of the family. So now the other one that you are depending on is no more. And this was the predicament that she found herself in. Double tragedy, amen. Double um, um, challenge that she had found. Her. And, and can you imagine losing a husband, all the grief that she had to go through. And now she had lost her only son. So there was no hope for her. The Bible says that even whilst the funeral procession was going on, there were a large crowd that was around her. But I'm telling you, in that situation, when you suffer a loss, uh, many people may come around you and console you, uh, but you yourself know the kind of loneliness that you are going through. And that was what she was going through. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw her, hallelujah, this was a woman that was left destitute, a woman that had no hope, a woman that didn't know what she was going to do, where her next meal was going to come from, how she was going to take care of herself. And the Bible says that when Jesus Christ was at the city gate and, and, and saw and was met with the funeral procession, what happened was that the master saw her, hallelujah. The master saw what was going through, what she was going through her. The master saw the pain that she was going through. The master saw the anguish that she was going through. Her. And, and one thing that um, struck out to me was the verse 13. And, and Apostle Luke um, makes a statement. It says, when the Lord saw her. You know, he first begins um, um, the, the, the passage in the verse 11 and says that soon after, Jesus went with his disciples. So he was in all the, when you read further down, in every situation, he called him Jesus. He called him Jesus. But in this particular situation, by reason of what was happening, the Bible says that he did not call him Jesus, but he called him as Lord. He called him as Lord, and, 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 and I was like, so is it just the New Living Translation that is saying Lord or what? I need to go to the King James Version and find out what is there. And the King James Version says Lord. So then I was like, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me? And he was letting me know that in that moment, the Lordship of Jesus began to manifest. The Lordship of Jesus uh, began to manifest uh, by reason of calling him Lord. Uh, the Lordship of Jesus was in full manifestation. And for you to get a clearer picture of who um, Lord is, Lord in Greek uh, is called um, Kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S. 
which means master. Which means master. And who is a master? A master is a person having power and authority over others. A master is a person who is in charge. A master is a person who is a ruler. A master is someone who oversees servants. Hallelujah. So when Jesus Christ saw her, not only was he just a savior, but he activated his lordship. Amen. He activated his lordship to take care of that situation. And I speak over somebody's life here this morning that may Jesus activate his position as lord over your situation. May he become a master of that tissue that you are going through and may he bring a solution for you. The Bible says, so no longer was he just Jesus, but his lordship was activated. And what did he do? In his lordship, what did he do? So I have um, um, made it known that a lord is simply a means master. And when you are a master, what does a master do? Number one, a master is an overseer. Oversees um, um, the people that are under him. A master is a provider. Provides for the people that are under him that he is taking care of. Amen. A master is also a teacher. Teaches the servants or the people under him what to do. Number four, a master is a disciplinarian. When you have servants and they go astray, as a master, you are supposed to correct them, to show them the right way that they are supposed to go. And number five, um, a master is a rewarder. Hallelujah. A master rewards. Uh, when you are a master and you have servants under you uh, and they do a great job, you tell them do this and they do. Uh, what happens is that you are able to reward them. Uh, and the verse 13, uh, what happened was that it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed uh, with compassion. Hallelujah. And somebody may ask, uh, so, so where else can you show me in the word of God uh, that Jesus is Lord? Uh, and I can give you the scripture in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Uh, the Bible says that therefore God exalted him to the highest place uh, and has given him a name that is above every other name that at the mention of the name of Jesus uh, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth uh, and under the earth uh, and every tongue shall confess uh, that Jesus is Lord uh, the glory of God the Father hallelujah the Bible says that Jesus is Lord so not only is he our savior, but he is also our master. Not only did he go to the cross to die for you and I, but as a master over us, uh, he is responsible for our lives. Uh, as a master over us, uh, when you are going through situations and challenges uh, and you have made him your Lord, uh, he comes into that issue and begins to rearrange it for you. Uh, he comes into the issue and begins to take care of it for you. And the Bible says that when he saw her, because he had gone to a place that is supposed to be called beautiful, but he had encountered a situation that was ugly. So as a result of his lordship 
He had to change it, amen, for that situation to become beautiful. And I speak into the life of somebody here this morning. Whatever ugly situation you may be going through, Jesus is changing it to make beautiful. The Bible says so, so, and, 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 and it was amazing to me as I was, because you know when I read the Bible, I ask myself so many questions. I'm like, God, you have to um, enlighten me on this. And I was asking so many questions. So when Jesus Christ um, um, sh- um, meets the funeral procession that is going on, what happens is that he makes an initiative to go there. You know, sometimes some of us, you know, maybe you may be driving your car and when you see a funeral procession that is going on, some of us, we say, oh, we are sorry, you. May whoever they lost, may God comfort them and you keep moving. You know, but when Jesus came into this situation where there was a loss, uh, for his mastership uh, to be activated and for his mastership to be manifested. Not only did he say, oh, I'm sorry for you, but the Bible said that he went there and did something about it. He went there and did something about it. And, and one of the things uh, that at our master Jesus is able to exhibit is compassion. The Bible said um, in the verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw him, his heart was overflowed with compassion. His heart was overflowed. And, and when you are compassionate about something, what happens is that you recognize the suffering of that thing and you take action about it. So he wasn't just sorry about the situation. Where most of us, sometimes when you see a situation, you are sorry about it, but you don't do anything about it. But the Bible said that he was overflowed with compassion. He saw a situation that I cannot leave this situation, but I must do something about it. And as a believer, as a child of God, one of the things that we should pray and ask God to give us is the spirit of compassion. That when you come into a situation, you find out that somebody is in need. Don't just say, oh, I'm sorry. But if it is in your capacity to help that person, help them. If it's in your capacity to do something about that situation, you are able to do it. Do it. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ went over to the woman. And the first thing that he said to her, he said, don't cry. Hallelujah. He said, don't cry. I can see the tears that you have cried. You cried when your husband died. You cried for there was no hope for you. You cried because your sense of security was gone. You cried back then because you had lost your place of status in life. And here you are crying again. Now it may look like all hope is gone for you. And that is what I speak to somebody here this morning. You may be going through a situation that is causing you to cry, causing you to go through pain. But I'm here to let you know by the word of the Lord that don't cry. Don't cry. Jesus goes to her and tells her, don't cry. He is moved with such compassion that he is compelled to help the woman. And the second thing that he does in exhibiting his, um, his lordship over that situation is that he goes over in the verse 14. It says, then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. 
And if you are a Jewish person, and if you know the law, one thing that you do not do, and especially as a rabbi, people call Jesus Christ rabbi, he was a teacher because he taught the word of God. One thing that you don't do is that you don't touch a coffin. You don't touch anything that anybody is dead in. Because what happens is that it, you are, it makes you unclean. And once you become unclean, for you to become ceremoniously clean, there is a process or a list of things that you must do to purify yourself. Hallelujah. So not only did Jesus Christ exhibit compassion by telling her, he didn't just say don't cry and that was it. But he went a step further to do something about the situation. And the Bible said he touched the coffin. And, and I can imagine people were looking at him and they were like, person was like, oh, what is he doing? You don't do that. But see, that was a protocol that Jesus Christ had to break. Amen. He brought a Jewish protocol right there. Because he was, you are not supposed to touch a dead body. But see, because he has power and authority over death, he had to let people around him know that yes, by law, I'm not supposed to touch dead things. But as reason of where I stand, I am able to touch this dead situation and bring back life to it. Amen. And that is one thing that we can count on the Lordship of Jesus is that he is able to break protocols to face situation he is able to break protocol because this was a protocol that was broken just so that he can do something about the situation and the next thing that he does so not only is he moved with compassion about the situation he goes a step further and touches the coffin something that is a no-no the third thing is that he spoke to the dead man. Hallelujah. And that was what excited me. He spoke to the dead man. That thing that was dead, he was able to speak life back into it. Hallelujah. Why? Because he has power and authority over death. Hallelujah. He has power and authority over death. And the book of Revelations chapter 1 and verse 18 says uh, that I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Because as Lord and as master, you are somebody who exhibits authority. You are somebody who has power. And Jesus Christ was showing us in this situation that he has power over death. And that is what I'm here to let you, what is it that has died in your hands? What is that situation that might have died in your life? What is that dead situation that you are going through? You may be going through a challenge and it looks like all hope is gone. That this situation is dead. Some people are telling that, as for this one, I don't think we can do anything about it. But I'm here to let you know that the protocol breaker is here. That the one that has power over death is here. And if you will trust in him, he will bring that situation back to life. He will bring the situation back to life. And that was what Jesus Christ did. The Bible said he went to the coffin and touched it and spoke to the young man. And the young man came back to life. 
and for um, Apostle Luke to call Jesus Christ Lord. Uh, what he was saying was that in that situation, he was exhibiting his mastery over the situation. Hallelujah. That as Jesus, he has power over death. Uh, he has power over every situation that you are going through. What is that challenge that you think cannot be fixed? Uh, if you will only give it to him, uh, he will fix it for you. And one of the things that we have to realize as believers, uh, so if there is a master, then there must be a servant. Hallelujah. If there is a master, then there must be a servant. Uh, because the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, it says that no man can serve what? Two masters. So if there must be a master, there must be a servant. And the Bible makes us to understand that we are servants of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are servants of Jesus Christ. And I read John chapter 12 and verse 24. The Bible says that those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my, my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me hallelujah the father will honor anyone who serves me so if you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord then you must be willing to serve him hallelujah you must be willing to lay down your life and be a servant and serve him and as a servant what is required of you what is required of you is to surrender and submit if you are a servant um, in the uh, a servant is a translation of the Greek word um, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, which means a slave or bond servant. Someone who sets aside all rights of his own to serve another. If you are a servant, you willingly put aside your rights so that you can serve a higher authority. So as servants of Jesus Christ, now, what happens is that a servant of Christ knows who is king. Amen. That Jesus is the king over our lives. A servant of Christ is one who has voluntarily set aside his or her personal rights in order to love, serve, and obey the will of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. A servant of Christ, as a servant, one of the things that you have to do is that you have to die daily to sin. And fleshly desires, allowing Christ's life to flow through you. And as a servant uh, of Christ, uh, one of the things that you have to do is that you have to seek his will in all that you do. So when you look at the passage that I read, the Bible says that there was a situation that happened when Jesus Christ tells his disciples that let us go to the village of Nain. Um, and whilst they were going, as they approached the city gate, they are met with a situation 
of a funeral procession that was going on. And what happens is that the Lordship of Jesus Christ begins to manifest. Amen. We see his Lordship. And in his Lordship, you know, he goes and do something about the situation. And that is the beauty about God. You know, they didn't even come to him and say, Master, can you do something about this? The Bible said he willingly walked over to the woman, seeing the pain that she was going through. He walked over to the woman and comforted her. He walked over to the woman and told her, don't cry. I am going to do something about the situation. And the Bible said he breaks protocol by touching the coffin. And the next thing that he does uh, to bring the, the boys, um, um, the boy back to his mother was that he spoke to the dead situation and the boy came back to life. And then I was asking myself, so Spirit of God, what are you saying? He was telling me that all we have to do, we find ourselves at play. Sometimes we pray and we wonder why the prayers are not being answered. We wonder why things are not going right in our lives. Why? Because we have not fully, fully surrendered everything to Jesus. Sometimes you pray and, and, and Jesus, I need help in this situation. But after you finish praying, what happens is that if you are not careful, you begin to find other alternatives to the solution. How is it that you, you say that you have given the issue over to God, but yet still every time you go on your bed, you just begin to think and worry yourself. How is it that you pray and you say that, Lord, I surrender everything unto you, but yet still you are finding means and ways, calling people, asking them how they can help you find a solution to that problem. And the Spirit of God was telling me uh, that we need to get to a place uh, where we move or we move from seeing Jesus Christ just as our Savior, but we begin to see him as Lord. Uh, we begin to see him as Master, where you give everything over to him. Uh, you surrender everything that you are, and you come to a place in your life where you say, Lord, I lay everything down. I surrender to your will. Do whatever you want to do with my life. And when you get to that place, uh, that is when God begins to move seamlessly in your life for you. You, you. you get to a place where everything begins to work out for you. I was listening to a message one time of uh, Bishop Oyedepo, and he, was, he made a statement that has always resounded in my, you know, all these years. He said, you know, once he made up his mind, that he was going to be fully committed to the things of God. And he was going to serve and, and, and surrender everything unto him. And he, was, he said, Lord, just tell me whatever you want me to do and I will do it. He said that it got to a place in his ministry that even as soon as he begins to think about something, before he prays about it, that this is what I need, the next thing he realized that answers come immediately. And then he said one time, you know, it started happening over and over and over in his life. And he was asking, you know, in, in prayer, he was asking God. He said, I, I have noticed that I am in a season of my life where even before I think about something or that I need to do something, it's like I don't even utter it out of my mouth. Somehow, somehow, you bring the solution. And he said that God was telling him that, guess what? Because you have gotten to a place of submission, total and complete submission, that everything that I tell you to do, you do. 
You know, sometimes, you know, we, we live in a society where I know my rights. I know my rights. You can't tell me what to do. But when it comes to the things of God, the Bible says that in order for us to be good servants, we have to put our rights down and take up the call and the will of the master. And when you do that, that is why he says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, to seek him first in everything that you do and everything else will be added unto you. But see, sometimes we get to that place where people are seeking after the other things. And it's like the more you seek after the other things and instead of God, what happens is that that other things begin to go far and far away from you. Instead of seeking God, you are chasing money. You realize that money begins to go further and further and further away from you. But when you relinquish that role and say, God, I seek you in everything that you do. What happens is that, you know, as soon as there is a need for money that comes into your life, God just makes it available for you. Hallelujah. And it is my prayer this morning that we will reevaluate our lives. Any area in your life where you have taken complete control, you know, God, you can have, you can have this area of my life, but you cannot have this part. He doesn't want just part of it. He wants control of everything. Hallelujah. He wants control of the whole situation. And when you give him control, what happens is that he manifests his lordship in your life. Know Jesus not just as your savior, but know him as your lord. In the situation that I read, uh, his, his lordship went into manifestation uh, when um, he saw an issue and took full control uh, and worked it out. And that which was dead came back to life. Hallelujah. That which was ugly became beautiful. Uh, that which was dry became green. Uh, and that was what the Spirit of God was ministering unto me. Uh, that when we relinquish every right of ours, uh, when we say we will not do it our own way anymore, but we begin to say Lord take absolute control over this situation what happens is that God begins to go to work for you he begins to fight your battles I pray that may the Lord fight your battles for you as you relinquish and surrender and submit to him I pray that may the Lord fight that issue for you that problem that you have been crying and don't have a situation a solution for may God begin to go to work in your favor may he begin to fight that battle for you uh, as you lay everything down as his feet uh, and begin to say God I surrender and I submit to you uh, in the name of Jesus uh, I want us to begin to stand on our feet uh, we are going to pray one prayer you are going to pray that Lord search my life uh, if I have I have I have taken absolute control over everything uh, if I have not given you total control over my life uh, I ask for forgiveness uh, and today I surrender it all to you Jesus. I surrender everything unto you that whatever he told you this year you are not seeing the results of it. Maybe, maybe it's because you have been trying to do it your own way but I'm telling you if you will surrender and give him full control, if you will do what he tells you to do, you will see him at work in your life open your mouth and begin to ask God for forgiveness. 
if you have been trying to do it your own way, uh, instead of asking the master to come in and take absolute control uh, and begin to pray that from today uh, you will give him control, uh, from today uh, you will let him take over, you will do whatever he tells you to do, uh, you will go where he tells you to go, uh, whatever he tells you to do, uh, you will do it and not do it your own way. Uh, open your mouth and begin to pray. Uh, open your mouth and begin to pray. Uh, Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. So far, we have known Jesus as only our Savior. But today, Jesus, we recognize your Lordship, that you have power and authority. You have power and authority over death, over sickness, over every issues and storms of this life. And this morning, we ask for forgiveness, oh God, uh, if there be any areas in our lives uh, where we have taken full control uh, and have not submitted unto you, uh, we ask for forgiveness, oh God, uh, and from this morning, uh, we relinquish every control, and we ask you to take, uh, we ask you uh, to take over everything, uh, we ask you, oh God, uh, Father, to take absolute control take control over our families, uh, take control over our finances, uh, take control uh, over everything that we have, uh, the lives of our children, uh, and lead us and usher us into the right way. Lead us and usher us into what you would have us to do, uh, where you would have us to go. Uh, order our steps, oh God. Direct our path. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, Jehovah, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise, uh, and we give you all the adoration. In the mighty name of Jesus, um, hallelujah, amen, uh, amen. Uh, and as we have prayed, um, I believe uh, that from today uh, we will be prompted by the Spirit of God uh, to live our lives in such a way that we will not do it our own way anymore, amen. Uh, but that we will recognize the Lordship of Jesus uh, and begin to submit and surrender to him. Uh, and as we do, we will see him at work in our lives. Uh, he will turn that ugly situations in our lives into beautiful. Uh, and what any and everything that may be dead in your life, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, that he will bring it back to life for you. Uh, or that he will restore you, amen, uh, to whatever you might have lost uh, in the name name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.